Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Um, with that, we're going to jump into our teaching today. Uh, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that's where we're going to land today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles spread throughout the auditorium, so you can grab one of those if you'd like to. Or you can go to sermons.church uh, online on a browser on your phone or your uh, smart device. Uh, search for Cornerstone Vineyard Church, and uh, all the, the notes and scriptures and fill in the blanks, all that stuff will be there for you today. And to get us started today, I want to start with this. Uh, I know last week, if you were here, I talked about back when I was in high school, for some reason, I'm being a little nostalgic going back to my high school days. Uh, but back when I was in high school, maybe it was in middle school, I remember there being uh, a prank out there uh, that people would do. A lot of times it's on the football field. I used to play football in middle school uh, where you basically would have one person that would be standing and there'd be another person that would crouch down behind them, get on all fours, and the person in front of them would push them over and right and o- over the other person standing behind them. Uh, it kind of looks a little something like this. I grabbed a couple pictures like that, right? So like the person's crouching down behind them, those kind of things. Um, I didn't really actually know this. Uh, maybe some of you did, but it actually has a name. Does anybody know what the name of that prank is? Uh, well, our student guy in the back knew what it was when I asked him because uh, he's young. But it's actually called the tabletop prank. I didn't know that. Uh, and neither did I know there was also, there's actually with the table, a table I can't even say it, tabletop prank, there's actually also a, uh, uh, another thing that kind of goes with that. You can actually combine that, uh, that prank with something called the five second rule, which means if you're the one who gets pushed over, you get five seconds to wail on the person who pushed you over and they can't do anything. Somebody said amen to that, right? Right? I didn't know all that stuff. Now, this all does have a point this morning as we get started. Um, as I begin to work on to the, the teaching for today, uh, I thought about this prank. Um, and the reason I thought about it, because at its core, this prank, right, is designed to do what? To actually, the person who's standing and has the person crouched, to get them to stumble, Right? Like that's the whole point is to get them to stumble. And it generally, uh, I, I've had it done to me a couple of times. You maybe have had it done to you. Uh, it doesn't usually uh, end with that person being really excited, right? It usually ends with that, being, that person being frustrated, brings about pretty much not great stuff. And I start with that this morning because we're gonna talk today, if I can make this jump this morning, we're gonna talk about how in life, beyond a prank, if you will, uh, we need to be careful of not actually doing this, causing other people to stumble, which I think sometimes in our lives, we can actually find easy to do, to cause other people to stumble. We can. Uh, if we aren't careful, we can cause other people uh, to stumble, and in the end, just like the prank, it can end up uh, not being good for them and for us, now, of course, today I'm going to primarily be talking about um, this in a, in a spiritual sense, right? And rather than a, a physical sense, although physical may actually play a role in this, but primarily I'm going to talk about us causing other people to stumble spiritually. Meaning, maybe because of the way that I live my life in a, and, and the certain way that I live my life, that maybe there might be somebody that says uh, they, they never pursue God because of the way that Matt Porman lives his life. Or uh, somebody saying, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what Matt does. I don't, want to, I don't want any part of what Matt does. Or maybe somebody walks away from God because of the way that I live my life. 
I caused someone to stumble. Maybe it's intentional or unintentional. Uh, I've pushed them. Maybe, maybe I've tabletopped them, if you will, if I can go back to the illustration. Now, you may be thinking, okay, yeah, Matt, but does that really happen? Right? Like, you know, you're a pretty nice guy. You're good looking. You're witty, you know? Right? <laughs> you know, but does that, you, you may be thinking, okay, yeah, so, but Matt, you're, you're a pretty nice guy, right? Does that really happen? Would you really be in a position where you would make somebody spiritually stumble? Can I tell you, I wish that the, that the answer to that question was no. I do, I really do wish that. Um, that's my desire, but, um, but I'm sure that I've, I've made somebody spiritually stumble. I'm sure I have. As I walk out my, my life, right, on my best days, on my best days, I'm pretty confident that I do a pretty decent job of, of pushing people towards Jesus. But how many of you know that I also have bad days? And on my bad days, I think there are plenty of people out there that might use the phrase, man, I'm not gonna do what, I, I'm not gonna do what Matt does. I'm gonna do the complete opposite of what Matt does. I think there's plenty of people out there that could say that. Maybe those who uh, were on the other side have uh, talked to quite frequently over the last couple of years about uh, my, my struggle with anger. And, and so there might be somebody out there that was on the other side of my anger that might say that. There might be somebody that on the other side of my critical, quarrelsome attitude that might say that. I know for in fact over the last 12 plus years that I've been in church ministry, uh, there are not a lot of people, but there are a handful of people, just a handful of people that I know for in fact that they left the church because of me because of a poor decision I made or maybe something that I said that I shouldn't have said. And so, uh, yeah, I think it does really happen for us to cause people to stumble. And it's why we need to remain focused, why we're talking about it today, uh, on not being, uh, about being cautious of not doing this, of not, of not table-topping other people, about not tripping them up, causing them to stumble. Take a look at the scripture, Matthew 18. And we looked at this deeply in a message a few weeks ago when I was talking about Jesus being downright serious about kids. But it also says, in reference to our topic today, it says this in verse six. It says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, yes, kids, but also those who believe in me to stumble. So if anyone causes one of these to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. But look at this. But woe to the person through whom they come. Woe to the person that causes someone to spiritually stumble. Woe to us. Woe to me. We need to remain focused and, and cautious of, of not tabletopping other people, which is why we're going to dive into this today. Um, and I think this is a really crucial topic for us to talk about. Um, and we're going to talk about what it takes to do that. How do, we, how do we not create a situation where we live our life in such a way that we cause other people to stumble? So I want you to hold that thought. We are uh, currently in a series here for the next couple weeks still called Swerve, Things to Avoid to Avoid Negativity. And what we're doing in this series is we are taking a look at uh, what we've kind of labeled in the series as life's guardrails. Essentially, like how to put up guardrails to, so we can be safe to do the things that we're not supposed to do, right? Which is really good. It's really good to know what guardrails you should put in life and what we should not do so that we ultimately know what we should do. And so we've been talking about that guardrails are good. And so our theme text comes from Deuteronomy chapter 27. I'm gonna read it again this week for us. It's uh, Deuteronomy 27, nine and 10. It says, then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, be silent, Israel, and listen. You, are now, you have now become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. And then 18 is gonna give us our direction for today. It says, cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. Then all the people shall say, amen. So 
that verse, cursed is anyone who leads others astray, who trips others up, who causes them to stumble. Cursed are those people, which by the way, I said last week, being cursed, not a great thing. All right, and so there's something to this. It's kind of a thing. And so we ought to figure out, like one, if we're doing this, but if we are doing this, how to best not do this so that we can live a life that is not cursed. It's be better to live a life that's not cursed. And we're gonna see how to do that today as we dig into our main text in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which, a little bit of context here. 1 Corinthians uh, is written by the Apostle Paul, and in this particular chapter, he gives us some great insight as he's writing to the church in Corinth, and ultimately he's writing to us as well. And he's actually talking about this very subject on uh, avoiding causing others to stumble, okay? And now in the context of what we're gonna read today, it's actually in the context of uh, kind of some food practices, but uh, Paul, at the very end of our text, he kind of broadens out a little bit to essentially include, well, pretty much everything, all right? And uh, there's some really great keys along the way, I think, in this text that will give us some great insight for our day today. So let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 23. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. This is where all the food practices come in. Verse 25, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both, of the sake, but both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Skip to verse 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So I think there's some good stuff in there, which will give us some great substantial kind of anchor points for our, uh, our message today. And so our title this morning is Lead, Steering Clear of Causing Others to stumble. And what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at a couple keys to not tripping others up, um, to things that are important to grasp in order to more and consistently lead others in the right direction rather than the wrong direction, which again, I think is really, really important to do. Um, so we don't shove people off course, whether that's intentional or unintentional, it'd be really good for us to not shove people off course. All right. And so uh, that's where we're headed today. We have two points. And here's this first one. You can write this in on your handout. Here's your first point today. Steering clear of tripping others up takes number one, accepting we truly have no rights. You can write that in. Accepting we truly have no rights. Back in the text, it actually says two times this phrase in uh, verse 23. It says, I have the right to do anything you say. And then it goes on. And then again, it says, just a, just a few uh, words later, I have the right to do anything, and then goes on, which we're gonna actually look, look at really in depth in point two today. But he uses this phrase two times, and it's in quotes, right? Like, uh, I have the right to do anything, kind of mimicking somebody saying this, like, hey, listen, like, I have the right to do whatever I want. Which then Paul, throughout the rest of the text, actually kind of shuts that all down. He says, hey, you may think that you can do whatever you want, but then he says in verse 24, he says, no one should seek their own good, but what? The good of others. And so the truth is what Paul is telling us here is, in this text is essentially that the only quote unquote right folks that we have ready is this, looking out for other people. 
That's the only right that we have. How many of you know that's way different than we're living in 2021? Man, holy cow, we are living differently than that in 2021. I mean, we are currently living in a, in a society where, uh, and man, this has gotten really uh, much louder in the last couple of decades, definitely in the last couple of years, where we, um, we're living in a time where we hold really closely our personal rights, don't we? I'm already gonna offend somebody this morning. Folks, we almost, we almost wear our personal rights as a badge of honor. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you up front this morning, I, I think that the scripture kind of breaks that down. Essentially, we are screaming right now loudly about my rights, our rights. But can I tell you that the kingdom of God has different view of our rights, the kingdom of God, the economy of God means we don't have any rights. If we're a follower of Jesus here today, we have no rights. Because by the way, we've been bought with a price. And when we have this view of, of my rights are the best rights and the only rights, it's my truth and I'm gonna grasp all of that stuff, guess what we do? We trip up other people. Rather than being for other people, which is the call of our life, we trip other people. And by the end of that, we actually trip off ourselves. Now, I know I, know I probably made some of you really nervous just by the way that I wrote that point, right? That accepting we truly have no rights because again, here in America, we hold very closely to our rights. And now, don't, don't go out of here and go, Matt, Matt's a communist or whatever. Like, I'm not, okay? I'm thankful that we live in the country that we live. I'm grateful for our freedoms, the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. But can I be honest with you today, folks? And I think this has been something I've been wanting to teach on for quite some time because I think it's the thing that is really wrecking our country and wrecking the church is that we have a misunderstanding in this country of freedom. We have a big misunderstanding of freedom in this country. That's why I think we're living what I talked about a few weeks ago. We're living in the age of outrage because we think, yeah, uh, I should be able to do what I want and say what I want whenever I want. But can I tell you folks, I think that that thinking is quite flawed. And it's flawed because of what I live. I live my life, by the way, on the scripture, on what God says. And when I look at the scripture, that is not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible to do whatever I want to do and say whatever I want to say. It's that, the exact opposite. When we live in the way of doing what I want to do and saying what I want to say and living in freedom, freedom, what we do is we actually don't represent the lordship of Jesus Christ that we've given our life to. The Bible actually speaks of something different. It says this. It says to deny ourselves, to die daily. It says in Luke 9, 23, and then it says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, look at this, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross every day. So deny yourself daily. It's dying to ourselves every day, not getting what we want every day. Can I get an amen on that? It is not about getting what we want and doing what we want. It's about dying to this. By the way, do you all know we're sinful people? We don't even think the, direct, the, the right direction most of the time. So thinking that freedom in this country means that we can actually do, it's flawed thinking. 
because it's much more about denying ourselves than getting what we want. And if I think about the economy of God, by the way, Jesus didn't have to come to the earth. He gave up his seat in heaven to come for us. That's a big deal. So if we're supposed to do what Jesus wants us to do, guess what? We have to give up our seat. That's what it's more about. And when we... And when we do this idea of, of that it's, it's more about what I want and get what I want and I got freedom to speak and say and do whatever I want, uh, again, what, it, what it's doing is all that it's doing is, it's, folks, it's, by the way, and, and I think you get this and I get this, is like when we get that, that mentality, that attitude, man, people, we are literally probably walking on people and we're intentionally sticking our leg out and we're tripping them over. She felt... Uh, a meme came through my Facebook, Instagram, or something like that this last week that had to do with this. I went, went back to try to find it. I couldn't find it, but I found something that's similar to it. It'll come up on the screen. It says this. It says, freedom consists not in doing what we like, but having the right to, to do what we ought. I think that's more of a correct view of freedom is that what we ought, and what we ought to do is we ought to be much more for other people than us. That's what we ought to do. And then, by the way, that's not just Matt Portman's opinion. That's in the scriptures. Take a look at a couple of verses. Galatians 5.13. So you, my brothers and sisters, we're, this. we're called to be free. There's, we're called to be free. Freedom in Christ. Beauty that we live in this country. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, look at this. Serve one another humbly in love. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, your own rights, my rights. I'm going to hold these close to my chest. No, 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 no. But the interest of each other, but each of you to the interest of the others. You see, this, this comment of, I have the right to do anything. Ah, folks, we don't. That's not the economy of God. When we think less about our rights, when we think about our individual and, and more about what others need and what others uh, are uh, going after, what they are looking for and what they need, man, I tell you what, how many of you know that in general, we will cause way less stumbling? And by the way, I'm not standing up here saying today that Matt Porman got, has this all figured out because I don't. But here's what I'm realizing in our, in our world in 2021 is that this is becoming more and more common and accepted and I think we need to break it down. This concept actually, this week as I was working on the teaching, reminded me of uh, a gentleman that I really, really uh, adore and appreciate a lot. His name's Tom Harmon. Some of you know Tom. He's a uh, traveling speaker. He's a, a former Michigan State police officer. Tom's an awesome guy. He just travels around and preaches the gospel to people. And uh, if you want to check out his website, just search Tom Harmon. You can see his website. But there's a, there's a section on his website that he uh, actually lays out his morning prayer time. And I went back and looked at it this week, and um, there's a section in his morning prayer called Yielding Rights. And it reminded me of that this week, and uh, there's a whole list of them. There's 29 of them. I'm not gonna go through all 29 of them. Uh, but he actually starts the page. It'll come up on the screen like this. He says, I choose today to die to self, to put off the old man and put on the new, and take up my cross and follow you. 
I choose to do this because I know that it is the refusal to die to self that makes me miserable. That's an interesting comment. And so then he goes through this, I yield my rights to, and there's 29 of them with scriptures out beside them because they're not his thoughts, these are scriptures. He goes, I yield my rights to be appreciated. I yield my rights to be right. I yield my rights to be heard. I yield my rights to privacy. I yield my rights to be needed. I yield my rights to be financially secure. This is his prayer. This is what he's praying in the morning. I yield my rights to my schedule to be forgiven. I yield my rights to be accepted, be respected. To, look at this. I yield my rights to, be, to, to, uh, to complain. I yield my rights to get revenge. I yield my rights to comfort. And again, those are just a handful of the ones that are, that's not even the full list. That's a pretty good list. And I actually think praying these things, which I, which I appreciate about Tom laying this out, is I think praying these things, and not only praying these things, but actually living these things out, like actually truly giving up our rights to these things, folks. Can I tell you that I think it's, one, the way that Christ wants us to live way more in our lives, but I think we will, if we can actually do that, we will see a life where we trip up less people and we ourselves will get less tripped up. I think we will cause way less stumbling. I think we will tabletop less people, push them over if we can actually yield those rights, which is the way of Christ, who, by the way, came from heaven, gave up his seat in heaven. That's a thing. There's something to that. So again, I'm not trying to be offensive this morning, but I do think, man, we, we need to flip this thing, I think, upside down, especially in America. Because it's great that we have freedoms, folks, but that scripture says, do not use your freedom to trip up other people. And I think what we're getting this all confuses is that we think we can do whatever we want and say whatever we want, and we are, we are pounding on each other. By the way, I don't, I don't know about you, but I haven't really enjoyed living the last couple of years in all of this. This has not been an enjoyable thing. And so I think we... And by the way, the church should be, Christians should be the ones that lead the way in this. And I think honestly right now, we are, we're just going along with everything else. We should be the ones, folks. We should do it. So that's our first thing this morning. Steering clear of tripping others up takes except when we truly have no rights. Second thing, steering clear of tripping others up takes grasping that we actually can be a drag. Feeling that we can actually be a drag. What I mean by that is that we can actually be a hindrance to people. Yes, sweet old little us can be a hindrance to somebody, all right? I've actually kind of already alluded to this this morning, but this is the second half of the phrase that we looked at in point number one today. It says in verse 23, it says, I have the right to do anything you say, but, and then under on this, not everything is beneficial. It goes on, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And so folks, we, and we get this, I know, right? We, not everything we say or do, it actually, not everything moves the needle or at least moves it in the right direction. And we can actually be a drag. You and I can actually be a drag on other people. Sometimes, even if our intentions are great, we can still be a drag on people because we, our, our default is to sinful things sometimes. I was actually thinking about, um, I wanted to tell you a story. I resisted telling the story. Some people I, <laughs> I walked through the messages on Thursday told me not to tell you the story, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um, 
A few weeks ago, I was thinking about the, the, this particular situation. This is one of those situations that I think my intentions were, were not malicious or bad or whatever, but man, I think I affected somebody's life negatively spiritually in the last couple of months here at the church. Um, several weeks ago, we had some things going on here on a Saturday, and we found that there was a car in the parking lot, uh, uh, back here in the parking lot, where uh, it was about three feet out of the, the space in the parking lot. There was uh, The left front tire was off uh, of the tire, and we came in the morning, we saw it there. We're like, ah, oh, man, somebody had a rough night. You know, I guess we'll give the day, uh, see if they come back and pick it up, and then uh, we'll have to have it towed for the morning because of uh, needing the uh, parking lot. It was like sticking out in the aisle, all that kind of stuff, whatever. And so uh, about six o'clock that night, uh, we realized it was still here. And so uh, we called, and you first have to call the police department, get them to come out, and then you get somebody to tow, whatever. So we had the car towed away. Not because we really wanted to. I actually felt bad doing it, um, but we didn't see we had much of a choice. And so uh, because of the wonders of social media, uh, we actually found out very quickly who the car was owned, owned the car. We didn't know who owned the car until about, about an hour later. Uh, they pinged us on Facebook. Um, very upset and understandably, right, because their car got to it. I don't think there's a single person here that go, hey, my car got to it and be happy about that, right? And so he was upset. And now I won't get into all the details of the story, but um, the next couple of hours and actually the next couple of days, uh, there were a bunch of messages back and forth between he and I. Lots of frustration with this gentleman, uh, some talk of, of uh, legal action and a lawsuit against the church, um, those kind of things. It was kind of a mess. And in the midst of all of this situation, I actually found out some things about his life uh, as we were talking a little bit. I think God kind of orchestrated a couple things, but I found out that this, that particular week was a pretty rough week for this guy. Uh, he had several things going wrong, uh, several hardships. Like, I think if you and I would have gone through the hardships he was going through that week, we probably would have been, man, this was a really crappy week. And so it was pretty awful. And so honestly, towing the car just kind of put, put him over the edge. Uh, I ended up making things worth, worse. Now, uh, with that, we ended up, uh, the church ended up paying for uh, the towing uh, away. Uh, we paid it for it to get out of the storage. We paid for it to get towed back to his house, all those kind of things. Um, but the reason I tell you the story uh, is because I think it's a practical example of how we can actually be a drag sometimes. Um, we can pull others down, even though um, right, our intentions aren't malicious or bad. My intent was not to be, I didn't want to go, ha ha, I'm going to get this guy, Right? That wasn't my intention. Um, he mentioned uh, in the midst of our dialogue that, that he hadn't gone to church in some time because of some other church failures and things like that. And, and, um, and, and the reality is, is that as I, as I replayed this scenario and situation in my head, like we probably could have waited till Sunday morning to call to get a toad, right? Could have given him a little more time. I probably could have done a little bit more of tracking down uh, who actually was the owner of the vehicle, right? Through the police department, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that. I probably could have done more than I did. Now, it's, it's my hope that things are better now that we paid for everything and everything's okay, but I just don't know. And, and so, again, I tell you that story because, like, uh, I don't think that I did anything terribly wrong in the midst of that, but I didn't do a lot right either. I could have done more. Now, that's the reason why some of you are going to leave the church because your pastor's a jerk, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. You see, but, but I, was, I was replaying the story this week. I was like, man, like, I think I dragged this guy down. And if I put it in the context even of our first point, the reality of, of me yielding rights, I think there was probably some rights that I could have yielded. And, and what I did, not, not everything is beneficial, not everything is constructive, not everything we say moves the needle forward, and it can often move it in the wrong direction. 
And my guess is, right, there's probably some of you, you could probably think of somebody in your life. Have you dragged somebody down recently? Maybe even you, you did things that you thought were right even. I thought those things were right. But you've, you've dragged them down. You see, the truth is, and why again, tell you all that, is that we can affect, and we do affect other people, folks. We do. And if I can say it this way, like, we are either doing one of two things. We are either going to be pulling people towards Jesus and what we say or do, or we're going to push them away. We are going to either pull them towards Jesus or we're going to push them away. And, and, and what I'm sad about in this particular situation is that I feel like I probably just pushed this guy away. It actually says in Proverbs 27, 17, we're doing one of these two things. It says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. So here's the, here's the point, is that we are either pulling people towards Jesus, iron sharpening iron, or we're pushing them away and recognizing that. If I would have, I didn't, I think in that moment, I didn't recognize the fact that I had a push-pull moment in my grasp. I think recognize that maybe will help us from, from, pushing people away, and more often choosing to pull people to Jesus, doing the harder thing. Verse seven of Matthew 18, we looked at earlier this morning, just remember says, woe to the world, the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but then here it is again, but woe to the person whom they come. See, there's value in considering whether we are pulling or pushing. especially if we're a follower of Jesus. We need to consider whether we're, we're, we're pushing or we're pulling. Now, if you're, if you're a, follower, if a follower of Jesus here, uh, I'm gonna talk to you for a minute. If you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, I'm glad that you're here. Keep exploring Jesus. We hope that you keep finding more about Jesus as you uh, around here at Cornerstone. But folks, the truth is, if we're a follower of Jesus here today, and some of you know this, right? We live in a glass jar, meaning that we, uh, we are being watched we are being watched by the world. Every move we make is Christ. We're being watched to see if we're going to trip up. Which, by the way, we're going to trip up. Because we're sinners. That's what we do. We, we are born into sin, and we are bent towards sinful things, and so we're going to sin. Um, but, but I think, uh, as a part of this discussion this morning, I think it's important for us to talk about the fact that we ought to realize and recognize that we live in a glass jar by the things we say and do. But ultimately, we ought to also consider our own sin in the midst of this. Because see, our sin, right, the things that we do, even though like that particular situation uh, with this gentleman, uh, I don't think that I really uh, sinned in the midst of that. I could have done a little bit more, but, but, like, uh, but there are things that I do sin in that can confuse people, that there's things that you do, folks, that you sin that you can confuse people. And our sin can sometimes lead people way away from Jesus, right? I, I just made a list of things. Like we can trip people up. We can confuse people to Jesus if they see, uh, for example, see us give full vent to our anger. Man, if you're out and about in the community and you give full vent to your anger, how many of you know that Jesus gets kind of confusing? Right? Jesus gets kind of confusing when, when, when someone's like, whoa, you're a Christian and you're acting like that? How many of you have ever used that phrase or heard that said about you? Or like, for example, when we gossip, right? Man, if, if, we are, if we're just like uh, those choice morsels, right? And we get together and we talk about other people and there's somebody who's not a Christian along the, in that group of people, maybe they're out to Hacienda and you're eating or whatever. How many of you know that gets, making Jesus famous gets really confusing when all you're doing is sitting around the table gossiping. 
or when we engage in premarital sex or live with a boyfriend or girlfriend, man, that gets really confusing. Jesus gets really confusing. Or the last one I had here is that, you know, if we go out on Saturday nights and we get drunk, man, that's confusing. And the list could go on. I could list a bunch of things. So I think that we gotta consider our sin in the midst of this as well. When we look at this idea of not causing other people to stumble, man, we gotta, we gotta make sure that, that one, we're, we're pulling people to Jesus by what we say and do, but we also gotta look at our own selves and go, and what am I, is the, the sin that, that I'm struggling with, is that really making Jesus confusing? And then as I was tracking along that, that line of thinking this week, I started to think about, um, and folks, this has been happening since the beginning of time, uh, I was thinking about uh, some of the uh, kings of Israel, and I'm going to list them here. Uh, I would love for you to like, kind of look up their stories this week or whatever. But, um, man, the kings of Israel, uh, I, I have on here the, on the list, Baja, Elah, Zimri, Amri, and Ahab, which Ahab was kind of the worst of them all. Scripture says about these, uh, these kings of Israel that they, uh, often in the Scripture says, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Essentially, they didn't, they didn't consider the broader effect of their sin on the people of Israel. And it goes on to say about them, oftentimes it says, in the words they use in Scripture is, uh, this kills me, it says, it often says, it caused Israel to sin. Because of the leader not considering their own sin, it actually caused a whole group of people to sin. They did not consider their sinful, uh, their, their, their own sin stuff and what it was not, not just, not just in them, but in the whole group of people. And it's over and over in the Old Testament, we see that Israel, and it caused Israel to sin and it caused Israel to sin and it caused Israel to sin. Folks, we, we should take a lesson from the kings of Israel. They pushed instead of pulled. And folks, if we take the lesson, let's pull instead of push. Are we aware of our sin? Folks, by the way, here's my guess. Every single person in this room, you're gonna sin today. I'm gonna sin today. Are we aware of the sin? Are we swerving away from our sin, swerving away from doing things, saying things that will, in the end, all it's gonna do is just say, yeah, I don't want anything that Matt's doing. We ought to consider those things. I know I need to more. And then I was thinking back to our text. It says in, in uh, verses 31 through 33, our text today says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, look at this, do it all. That's where Paul broadens everything out. Do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. At the end of the day, folks, this is about ministry. It is about the kingdom of God expanding. People saying yes to Jesus, the savior of the world. And so rather than being a drag, it's about lifting other people up so they can see the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the text suggests that the requirement, guess what? guess what our requirement is, Christians in the room? It's for us to do all things to the glory of God. Just a small list. 
You see, you, you've, if you've been hanging around here, you've likely heard me say this before, but folks, we, you and me, we are God's plan A, and there is no plan B to get the kingdom of God expanded. That's us. It's the church, it's us. It's the reason why this topic matters so much, because we are the plan. It says in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says this, he says, you, that's me, us, we are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, this is about expanding the kingdom, being careful to not trip other people up. Shine our light, lift them up, helping other people see Jesus. The verse before it, it says this, it says in verse 13, it says, you, that's again, me, us, we, right, are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it become salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You see, with, with Jesus, folks, when, with, with, with Jesus, we are the thing, oh, this excites me, we are the thing to add flavor to the life of other people. Do you know that? We have something they don't. We are the thing to add the flavor of life to other people. And, and if we don't press into that, folks, if, if we lose that, honestly, can I just be honest with you? I don't think life will be worth much. The worship team is gonna come and get ready to close. But as I do, I wanna finish with this. Folks, we can be a drag, but we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be flavor. We're supposed to be flavor. And so the question I think we need to ask more than is this, is who am I pulling towards Jesus? Who am I adding flavor to? Who are we lifting up? I think it's really, it's worth looking around us in our spheres of influence, folks, and in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, when we're out at Walmart, you know, those kind of things. I think it's worth looking around and saying, man, who can we influence? Who can we do the opposite of causing to stumble? Who can we pull towards Jesus? Who, by the way, who's already watching me? That's a good question. And, and I wanna mention this and then we're gonna get ready to close. I think maybe for some of you today, maybe it's even really going after that, figuring that out um, and grabbing one of our My Five cards. They're actually out at the Welcome Center. Grabbing one of these My Five cards and putting some names of people on a My Five card. And really start going after pulling those people towards Jesus. Being conscious of the things that may, uh, may, may push those people away and ultimately what things maybe you can start doing to really pull them towards Jesus. I think it's something to think about. Because in all things, we're either gonna push or we're gonna pull. We're gonna push or we're gonna pull. And I know that for my life, I want to pull way more people. I would love it at the end of the day, when the sun's set and time's done and whatever, I'm with Jesus, I would love to, to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You pulled Tony and Sarah. I mean, I'd love for him to go through that list. My guess is there's probably some of you in the room, that's, that's what you would like. But it's gonna take us doing this whole thing, considering how we don't make people stumble. We don't wanna be a drag to people and ultimately giving up our rights so that, that more people can experience Jesus. I think that's what it's gonna take. So with that, why don't you stand? 
We're gonna move into a time of responsive worship and prayer today. Uh, Diane, you can go ahead and hit that slide if you would. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a song together today. This is actually a newer song for us, so jump in as you feel comfortable. Um, but we're gonna do a song, and then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to receive prayer today um, uh, in the corner here. But we're gonna sing a song. So this is a responsive worship, so it's an opportunity for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe there was something in today's teaching that was specifically for you, just so you can sing, uh, but also listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit in the midst of this time as we sing the song, and then I'll give you a, what we're gonna pray about. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.